the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. And good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you. Can I add my welcome to Simon's and to Drew? Um, If it's your first time here, you're really, uh, really welcome. It's great that you're with us. I mean, we have seen um, unbelievable things, haven't we? I mean, it's extraordinary. I have never witnessed um, anything like it. Oh, no, no, I I didn't mean that. I meant... um, I meant this. Sorry, we'll come back to that in a minute. Um, if it is your first time here this morning, uh, you're really welcome. It's great that you're with us. Um, if you're online, um, Amelia's grand from Germany. That's amazing. You're really welcome too. And please say, say hello in the chat. Uh, I'm sure if you are new to a church or uh, you're here for the first time, you probably have loads and loads of questions. Um, we don't often see people submerged in water every week, and uh, you may have questions. Well, please, you're in the right place. You're welcome here every Sunday to ask them, and you're also welcome at our activities throughout the week. Now, different things happen each Sunday, um, but we always spend a bit of time looking at this. Uh, this book is uh, the best-selling book of all time. It's the best-selling book right now. Uh, it's the most loved book of all time. It's also the most hated book of all time and the most debated book of all time. And this book is all about Jesus. And as a church, we spend time each week reading it. Uh, We're trying to understand it. Now, why would you do that in this day and age? Well, we think that it's life-changing. We think that, as you've probably heard already this morning, that it actually helps us to understand the big, big questions of life. Why are we here? What on earth are we doing? Where are we going? How are we meant to live? It's kind of come out in what Ollie and Amelia have already said, uh, but someone once said this about the Bible. They said that it's a story that makes sense of life. And literally, I think Amelia almost said those words. Uh, but what they probably did say exactly is this. They said, even more than it being a story, the book itself points to Jesus. And this would be true, that Jesus makes sense of life. Now, this book here is all about Jesus, so that's why we study it. That's why we look at it, to try and help us make sense of our day-to-day. And and as I say, you might have questions. How does this book make sense? How is Jesus life-changing? Well, come and ask all your questions. You're welcome here. Uh, So, what do we do when we look at the Bible? Well, often each week we look at just a small section of it. Um, If you are here for the first time, we're on week four of a really big series. We're doing something called Come and See, and we're going through something called John's Gospel. Now, John's, uh, John's Gospel is the fourth book of the New Testament. It's the 43rd book of the Bible. Within this big book, there are 66 books, and they're all pointing us towards Jesus. Four of the books in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are known as Gospels. What's a Gospel? Well, Gospel quite literally means good news. So these four people, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, wrote good news accounts of the life of Jesus. And all of them have slightly different viewpoints. We've got Matthew, Mark and Luke, and John's a little bit different. Um, I think John's forehead was slightly smaller in real life. But um, aside from that, that's a pretty accurate picture. Um, they, they all tell the same story, but it's slightly different. If we could just use the baptism as an illustration this morning, and depending on where you're sat, you will have seen different things. You, you will have seen, all of us I think would agree, that Ollie and Amelia went under the water. Ollie took a bit of time. That was slow-mo, wasn't it? But we got there, I mean, yeah, I was worried for a second. And they both went under the water. But depending on where you were sat, you would have probably had a slightly different view of some of the events. 
So, for example, if you're online, you'd have got that camera and you'd have seen straight in and you'd have had that view. Um, if you were a, a, a little one sat down here, you'd have got a different view and you might have seen things slightly differently. Uh, you might have even got some splashback if you were lucky. Um, as, as well as that, uh, some of you, if you were sat on the side, you might have got a mixture of big screen and a bit of this. Um, but we probably all had little different details that we might have seen and, or not seen. We'd all know the same thing happened, but we'd have a little different emphasis. This is your watch, by the way, Ollie. There you go. So some of you may not have seen that Ollie just whipped his watch off right just before the end, before it went under the water. What would happen is we all would know what's happened, the main event, but we would all have slightly different takes. That's what's going on in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Same thing, different viewpoints. Here's the great thing about John's Gospel. John's Gospel is, is essentially like watching it from here. It's got the best view in the house. You get deeper and richer insights into what happens. You get this top-down picture of everything. It's an amazing gospel, and we're going to spend quite a bit of time working through it this year, because Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called, Matt Rimenich said, the synoptic gospels. They're telling a story, narrative, 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 and John's gospel is giving us some deeper and richer stuff as well. So it's really, really cool. We're going to come on to a really cool bit of it in, in a moment. And as we look at it, though, uh, it's great to read, but do be warned, it can be tough at times. N.T. Wright, a theologian, once said this about John's Gospel. I feel about John's Gospel like I feel about my wife. I love her very much, but I wouldn't claim to understand her. Uh, I'm in trouble. Um, let's, uh, let's try and understand a bit more. We're going to read a look together at John 1. 29 to 39, I'll put it on the screen, but again, I'm so conscious that there might be new people here this morning. I just need to rewind and just, what have we missed? Because we've missed some pretty amazing stuff already. Uh, John chapter 1 is a very famous passage of the Bible. Um, the prologue is incredible, the first few verses. And honestly, if you read it, it feels like it comes from a Hollywood blockbuster. Literally sounds like that. Uh, comedian James... Carrie and Christian came and spoke with, uh, here a few weeks ago, and he read it to Star Wars, but um, I, I don't hear the start of John's Gospel to Star Wars, I hear the start of John's Gospel to um, 2001 Space Odyssey, thank you very much. Here's the first few verses. Louder, louder. Do you hear, do you hear this when you hear John's Gospel? Here we go. John 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Thank you, we'll stop that. The first 18 verses of John's Gospel, I'll put them on the screen now. They are, um, they're incredible, but they are a bit, bit, bit baffling, if you read them all. Um, so it starts, in the beginning was, there it is, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all, th- and it goes on, and the next few verses go um, about this, the Word. And it, it sounds amazing, and you, it, but what's it all about? It's quite confusing. If you substitute the word, if you understand and do a little bit of digging in the Bible, you realise that the word is Jesus. So actually, in the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. Through Jesus, all things were made. Without Jesus, nothing was made that has been made. And Jesus was life. 
And the, that life was the light of all mankind and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Hopefully you get to see why we get a bit excited about Jesus. Jesus has created everything. And uh, if we read on in that, we hear that Jesus became flesh as in a human and made his dwelling among us. So Jesus is amazing. And after that prologue in John's Gospel, there's a few verses where we get introduced to a guy called John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is a legend, an absolute legend. Don't take my word for it. Take Jesus' words for it. Luke 7, 28 says about John the Baptist, I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. So John is someone worth listening to. But here's the problem. After that prologue bit, John enters, and everyone's going, oh, John, John, it's great to see you. And John goes, it's not about me. Don't, don't look at me. But honestly, you need to look at someone else. Don't, don't look at me. And he's been like playing himself down. John is huge at this point, but he's saying, however great you think I am, don't look at me, it's about someone else. For centuries, the people have been waiting for a rescuer, uh, the Jewish people. A saviour to come and turn everything upside down to reverse the mess. John says it's not me. And with though that in mind, Here's our passage. As we look at this passage, here's what I want you to do um, for me. Uh, it's only ten verses. I want you to see if you can find the three most difficult words uh, that come together, in my opinion, this is, and the three simplest words. So that's what we're after. Three most difficult, three simplest. Here we go. This is John. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look! The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptising with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, and I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptise with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptise with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples when he saw Jesus by and he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for what we've seen this morning. Thank you for what we've heard in the lives of Ollie and Amelia. And thank you for this passage. Father, help us today... All of us, whether we are young or old, whether we are rich or poor, whether we're at this church normally or not, please help us to understand this passage, and in particular, the three most difficult words, we think, and the three simplest ones, and help us to live them out, we pray. Amen. Well, what a week it has been. <laughs> um, that escalated quickly, didn't it? Isn't it remarkable? On Wednesday and Thursday, government ministers were resigning faster than the rate of COVID in 2020. And unless you have been in a cave all week, you will know that over the next few months, we will have a new Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Many people think this is a key moment. Some people think things will get better. Some people think that things will get worse. Well, wherever you sit on the political spectrum, and whatever you think about the events 
of this week, uh, I think one thing is certain. That whoever comes next, um, and I say that over the person after as well, whoever comes next, they're not going to be able to solve our deepest problems. I, I, know, we, I know we're like after someone to just come and sort everything out and make it all better. I'm sorry to tell you, and I'm sorry to you, they're not coming. Whoever it is, people have put their name in the hat this morning. Now you may say, well, they, they might do stuff. I'm dead right, they might. They, you know, they might do something towards the cost of living crisis. They might, they might do something one way or another with Brexit. No idea. But they might do more for the war in Ukraine. They might. I've got no idea. But what they won't do is they won't solve our biggest problems. See, I think that our deepest problem, and you, you kind of heard it, I think particularly when Ollie was talking about when he was off in France, uh, not because of France, I think Here's what I think happened. <laughs> Sorry, that was terrible. Um, here's what I think humanity has done. Uh, we've ignored the maker's instructions. The Christian claim is this, that there is a God who created this world, who created everything in it and everyone in it. He is kind, he is loving, he is wise, he is compassionate, he is patient and he loves you and he loves me more than we could ever imagine. But sadly, all of us at times have rejected that God, that amazing God. Now, you may or may not agree with that. You may think, no, there's not a creator and there's not someone who, who loves me. And you may think, you know what, actually, this is just, this is just chance. But if, even if you're in that boat, I think you would agree with the concept of um, following a maker's instructions. We all do it every day. And if we don't, we pay the price. If I've got here this morning in my car. But if I put orange juice in the petrol tank and it doesn't get here, uh, that's my fault. I haven't picked out that thing that says, oh, you put petrol in it, in the, the glove box. Equally, if I crashed because I couldn't see out of my windscreen, but I put milk into my windscreen washer fluid, that's on me, isn't it? I have ignored the maker's instructions, and as a result, I have paid the price for that. Ollie and Amelia want you to know this morning that there is a God who knows you, loves you, dies for you, and wants to help you. I think I wrote this down rightly from what Amelia said. Having a relationship with the creator of the universe is the best thing. Isn't that lovely to hear that from Amelia? They will both tell you that life is better with Jesus. And the reason why it's better is found in the three most difficult words in the passage. Natty is kindly going to come and help us um, as we go through the rest of our passage now. Ever since we turned our back on God, the world has been in trouble and waiting for a rescuer. And then in verse 29, have a look at this, uh, and I shouted it because I just pictured John the Baptist shouting this, because he just, this is so big. He says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, what is that all about? Is that some sort of weird nickname, Lamb of God? Is that, is that like an in-joke? Is that like something they, they, between friends? Well, to us, Lamb of God may sound a bit strange in the 21st century, but for the people around John, he would know exactly what they were talking about. He's surrounded by Jewish people. They would have known that this is much more significant than some sort of nickname. You see, all the way back in the Old Testament, in the second book of the Bible, at Exodus, there's a godless pharaoh, there's a king who ruled over a kingdom called Egypt. He enslaved God's people, a few million of them. He oppressed them. He abused them. And God wanted to rescue people from this oppression. He wanted them to be free to worship him. So God gave Pharaoh and he gave the Egyptians an opportunity to, to repent, an opportunity to go to stop and turn away to free the Israelites. And he was patient with them. Please let my people go. Let them go. I, I, don't want to inter I will intervene if you don't let them go. 
And God sends this man, a big character in the Old Testament, he sends Moses, and through Moses, God repeatedly warns that there will be consequences if you don't stop this abuse. It's going to happen, there's going to be consequences. Before we get into the consequences, it's really, really important to know that God is really patient. Okay? If you hear this story in isolation, you'll be like, whoa, God is unbelievably patient. You can look through the first few chapters of Exodus to see how patient God is. Um, But Pharaoh doesn't change. There's no change. So God ups the ante. God starts sending plagues, warnings. So you've got to let my people go. But there's no change. So God sends a plague. But unfortunately, Pharaoh doesn't, just ignores it. So God goes, all right, I'll be patient. I'll send another plague and so on. And this cycle repeats. Plague, warning, no repentance. Plague, warning, no repentance and so on. And it's getting really, really serious. Pharaoh just refuses to let God's people go. But finally... Everything culminates and escalates into something pretty horrific. The final plague, the bottom right one there, on that graphic, is the killing of every firstborn son. Now, I am a firstborn son myself, and my firstborn son is in this room as well. Now, just imagine that. Someone comes to you and goes, do you know what, this is so serious. You have to stop doing this, otherwise you will die. You and your boy are going to die. I think I'd take that seriously. Now, some of you may think, how could, this possi- how could the God that you're talking about possibly do this? Well, his own son was killed, so he does know what it's like. But sadly, Pharaoh didn't listen, and death came to every home, because Pharaoh was refusing to listen. But there was an exception. There was a way out. Not everyone died. You see, that those homes that were covered by, here we come to the phrase, the blood of the lamb, they escaped. When the final plague was coming, the way out was this. You could take a lamb from your flock. Not just any lamb, not like the the one in the corner who doesn't know which way to go, or the one with three legs. You took your best lamb, an unblemished lamb, because it was like a, a picture of sinlessness, and you could sacrifice that lamb. And that lamb would act as a substitute for the family in their sin. This is horrific. But what you would then do is you would then take the blood from that lamb, And you would uh, literally paint it onto your doorway of your home. It was a way of showing publicly your internal faith. It was an outward sign of an inward transformation. We've had a completely different version of that this morning, haven't we? An outward sign of something inward that's happening. And here's what happened. Uh, That night when the plague came, um, those whose whose homes had been painted, the, the angel of death passed over them. Um, no firstborn was killed. The price had been paid by this lamb, and no, no child was killed. Jewish people call it Passover, because the angel of death passed over. God's wrath passed over those who trust in the lamb. And that happened in book two of the Bible, in Exodus. And people have celebrated Passover year after year after year. And a lamb was sacrificed uh, in, in its place. In the Bible, you'll find, if we don't have time to go all through it, but a lamb is a key figure. It shows that God's faithful, that he rescues. Um, it shows um, who he is, essentially. But it's not the only place you find a lamb. I'm not going to do this in detail now. But in Genesis 2, you first meet a lamb, in some ways, because a lamb is sacrificed for a person. Or, or pretend, um, Isaac. We've just read Exodus 12. I've just briefly explained the fact that a lamb was a substitute for a whole family. If we had time, we'd go on to Leviticus and we'd see that a lamb was substituted for a nation. Can you see it's getting bigger? A person, a family, a nation. If we fast forward to our passage today, suddenly, can you see why John gets excited? Hello! Look! 
It's not just anyone. It's not just for a person. It's not just for a family. It's not for a nation. There's this lamb that has come for the whole world. But this time, it's not an actual lamb. Because if we've got to take away the sins of the whole world, it's not just one lamb. It's going to have to be a person and not just any person. It's going to be God's son. And Passover is celebrated uh, right up until Jesus returned. And then, if we fast forward to the end of Jesus' life, you might have seen this famous photo. This is the Last Supper. Uh, Jesus is celebrating and he takes the bread and he says, this is my body which is broken for you. And he takes the wine, he says, this is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. And at the table, there's bread and there's wine, but you'll see there's no lamb. There's no lamb at the table. Why is there no lamb at the table? Because Jesus is at the table. Jesus is the lamb. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. That's why lamb of God is such three most important words. Jesus has not just come to say some nice things. He hasn't just come to feed some people if they don't bring their packed lunch. He hasn't just come to turn water into wine. He's come to take away the sins of the world. He's come as a rescuer. How does he rescue? He rescues by dying on a cross. He's a sacrifice. He's a substitute. He dies in our place for our sins. And if we trust him, like Ollie and Amelia do, he will take away the biggest problem of all. He takes away sin. How good is that? Just, I know it's difficult, but just forget about the cost of living for a moment. Forget about Brexit. Jesus comes and takes away the sin of the world. How good is that? You don't need to take my word for it. Take Ollie's and Amelia's. Ollie, this is the moment I, we text about this week. All right? So I just want to take you back to week one of Alpha. I was sat with Ollie and we were just chatting at the start of the course. And at the start of the course, there's always this fairly bog-standard um, course-based question. What did you want to get out of the course? Um, oh, by the way, I do, you did give me permission to say this. Ollie's text to me says, happy for you to say whatever you feel is appropriate, even though you're a northerner, I trust you implicitly. So, <laughs> so this is on you now. Um, but, he, but we were looking at that question. He said, what do you want to get out of the course? And you can probably tell from Ollie's testimony what he said. I just said, he said, I want the smile. I went, you what? He went, you know, the smile. I went, what? And he went, the smile. And I said, Christians don't have a monopoly on the smile, Ollie. It's not just ours. And he said, no, no, no. It's like, it's like you've got something. It's like you've got something like, not like on your face, but here as well. It's like there's this peace, there's this joy. And I said something like this. I'm paraphrasing myself now. But I said, and... Trust me, Ollie, I don't smile all the time. I really don't. Life is really difficult at moments. Like, really tough. If you become a follower of Jesus, it's not going to, like, take pain away. You will still experience pain. But what I think you'll find is that Jesus answers life's deepest questions. And he can bring you joy and peace in the deepest sense. And do you know what, Ollie? That joy is not dependent on what I do and how I perform. And that's what's so freeing about this. It's based on what God has done. And Ollie, Jesus Christ has done something for you on the cross that has changed everything. I think he said something like, well, we'll see about that, won't we? Um, yeah, we will, actually. Um, over the weeks of the outer course, not literally, people, Lizzie, others, Jenna, were just going, Ollie, look. Look. The Lamb of God. He takes away the sin of the world. 
And those three words about who Jesus is, it's not a nickname, it's not a joke. It's his identity. He's God's son. He comes into the earth. He dies on a cross for you and for me. And he changes everything. And if those are the three most difficult words, uh, I hope you spotted the three most simple words. They come right at the end. Uh, there's been this exchange in verse 35. Um, uh, John the Baptist goes, look again, look at Jesus. Uh, he's got two other disciples with him now. One of them is Andrew. The disciples then go, oh, I'm going to go and have a look at Jesus. And Jesus turns to them and goes, what do you want? They go, where are you staying? And then Jesus says the three simplest words, doesn't he? Come and see. That's all he says. Come and see. That's about as simple as it gets, isn't it? Come and see. That, to me, sounds like a CBB programme, if I'm honest. Come and see. But they are really, really important words that Jesus says. It's the theme of John's Gospel. Uh, this is, um, sorry, this is the title of our series. Come and see. I found it quite interesting that Jesus says those three words. If you're accumulating followers, I don't think I would always go with come and see. We're going to see these people in the next few weeks probably. I don't know who's in or out. They're going to be trying to get people to follow them. And I imagine that we're going to see promises, we're going to see visions, as in any leadership battle, you'll get some golden unicorns out there, I'm going to promise you this, and, and all sorts of things. Do you notice that Jesus doesn't do that? I don't know about you, I, that surprises me. If I was Jesus, I'd have gone to these two followers and, and gone, you see that water over there, I'm going to water ski on that without water skis soon. You see that hill over there, I'm going to take 5,000 people up there, they're going to get hungry, I'm going to get a little boy's lunchbox and I'm going to feed it to them. Do you see that mud over there, I'm going to make the first ever mud pie, put it on someone's eyes and they're going to see. Jesus doesn't do that, does he? Jesus doesn't give it the big, don't you know who I am? Jesus just goes, come and see. He quite simply says, Come and follow me. There's no demand, is there? He doesn't say, you must believe in me. I am the Son of God. He says, come and get to know me. Come and see how I live. Come and see how I speak. Come and see what I do. It's exactly how Ollie and Amelia became followers of Jesus. Ollie came through the Alpha Course, and one of the things he saw was that the evidence for Jesus was unbelievably strong. Just take this passage for a second. I I won't go through all of it now, but it doesn't say... Once upon a time. Notice that. It says, John saw uh, Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. This is what I meant when I said. This is eyewitness testimony and account. And I said it, I, somebody picked it up earlier when I read the passage. The last few words of the passage just make me chuckle. So make it, just have a look at verse 39, the last, last few verses. Um, so the, the passage is, uh, that bit has gone, Come and see. And then literally, just finish with this. Oh, it was about 4pm in the afternoon. Hmm, that's, that's really, really random. That is a bizarre detail to put in something like this. But that is crucial. Ancient uh, texts like um, myths and legends and uh, epics and things like that, they didn't contain details like this. You wouldn't get it. Um, a gentleman called Reynold Price in his book Three Gospels pointed out that you don't read things like Oedipus went to see the oracle at Delphi and she came out around 4pm. You just, you just don't get that. But you do in the Bible. What you'll find is if you come and see you will see that Jesus is credible. Uh, if you don't know Jesus, we would love you to come and see. Because he changes lives. He gives smiles. And not just superficial smiles, like deep smiles. Now, we're going to... 
I need to stop in a second, uh, but uh, come and see, we're going to pick up next week. I'm not going to take Paul's passage next week, but what we're going to see is like this huge knock-on effect. We're going to see um, people pointing uh, towards, so we've had John the Baptist say, look, he said, look again, we're going to see Andrew in the next passage, Peter, Philip, Nathaniel. And what you'll see is that whilst there's many ways to coming to know Jesus, what you'll find is the most conventional way is through a friend. Sometimes Jesus may just do something miraculous and someone just comes to know follow Jesus, but often you'll see it's through people and friendship. If you're not a Christian here this morning and you're online, um, I, can I put my cards on the table? Absolutely not. I desperately want you to follow Jesus. I'm not, I'm not even going like, to try and hide that at all. I'm sweating here, so I'm trying. Um, but I desperately want you to come and see. Because the Lamb of God has taken away the sin of the world. In your lifetime on this earth, however long it is, could you spend just a few hours or a few days or just a couple of weeks in that whole lifetime of yours examining the claims of Jesus? Because there are hundreds in this room, there are thousands in this city, and there are millions in this country, and there are billions in this world who say that Jesus changes everything. And if you are a Christian here this morning, please, 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 just keep going, look. Keep going, look. Do you, do you see the passage, John the Baptist didn't go look once and it was all happening, did it? He said, look in verse 29. He says, look in 36. Sometimes we have to be patient. And we keep having to go, look, look, look. But look what happens when we keep saying, look, look, look. This happens. And it's amazing. Lives get transformed. Natty, thank you so much. I've got to finish. Um, I hope and pray that you're with us for the rest of this series. If you're not, it's been so brilliant having you. You can tune in anytime, you can come anytime. If you're not going to be here, I'm going to give you a spoiler, okay? Last few verses of John's Gospel. John, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If you don't know Jesus, come and see. And if you do know Jesus, tell people to come and see. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Father, thank you that he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Not the sin of like a corner of a room, the sin of a little bit. He takes away the sin of the world. Father, thank you this morning that we have seen Ollie and Amelia Amelia just publicly declare their trust in him. Father, we love Jesus. We say thank you for him. And we pray as a church family that more and more people come and see and turn to the Lord Jesus in the coming weeks, months and years. Amen.